Warning, this episode contains foul language and mentions of murder, poisoning, possible infanticide, and the hanging and burning of witches. Capita Magica Mystica. Each week we get to sit down with a friend and chat about something weird, and during spooky season, we get even weirder. This week we are revisiting one of our all-time favorite topics, witches. Now, here at Weirdo Headquarters, we love witches. We know that witches aren't evil, and that magic isn't dark, and that witchcraft is a beautiful practice that each of us here today use in our everyday lives. But sometimes, children, witches can be scary. Witches can (laughs) use their power in dark ways, and sometimes witches can even kill. Today, we're talking about some infamous witches throughout history that have helped give black hats and brooms a very bad name. Whether it's because they did a bad, bad thing, or because their craft was so strange and misunderstood, they had to burn for it. So throw a ring of salt around you, place your broom next to the door, and whatever you do, do not light the black flame candle. My name is Ashley, and this is my co-host, Lauren. Hello, witchy weirdos. <laughs> and today we are joined by, of course, who else? Our resident green witch and curator of Witchy Wednesdays, Laura LaRue. Hello, weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a good witch cackle. (laughs) I was going to ask, so we are a week and a half ahead of our listeners, so it's only October 5th, but how is everyone's spooky season going thus far? It's been going great. So the tail end of my spooky season is going to be so, so packed with stuff. Um, My brother's getting married like the first week of November, so like wedding stuff is just piling up. So we did a bunch of spooky stuff right when October started. Um, We went to Disneyland and saw like all the like pumpkins and Halloween decorations. It's my favorite time to go to Disney. It was so So good. good. I mean, it's one of my favorite times at Disney. It's sort of my least favorite time for the Haunted Mansion. Same, um, same. That's that's exactly what Ashley (laughs) said last week. I wish they would just leave it alone. But, uh, you know. Because it's it's spookier the other way. I mean, I do get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's full on Christmassy right now. So it's a little, I don't know. They got pumpkins everywhere. So. Yeah, right. I don't know. But um, yeah, no, we went. It was spooky. It was great. And then we did like a pumpkin patch this last weekend, like out in the countryside. Wonderful. And yeah, no, it was really, really sweet. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm full up on my fall vibes. Yes. Lauren, have you got to do anything yet? 
Not yet. Um, this coming weekend, I am also going to go to a pumpkin patch because there's one that I don't have to drive two hours away for. It's Lovely. in Moore Park, which Smart. is much closer <laughs> to where I'm located. Uh, I hate going to the ones up in the mountains. I vented about it last week with Ashley, but um, I <laughs> don't want to drive far. So pumpkin patch this weekend. I'll hopefully get a little produce and some pumpkins and some fun stuff. And then... Yeah, I've been watching a lot of horror movies, so that has Ooh. been fun. I decorated the morning of October 1st, so even though the apartment doesn't allow too much, it still feels spooky in here, which I like, so I'm feeling it. I'm nice. feeling ready. I know. I'm in a, a rough spot because when I moved last year, I threw away all my Halloween decorations. Not all of them, but most of them because Aww. it was just one of those things where it was like, I can get new stuff. And now I'm yeah. like, I have no money. And I'm like, oh, here's some bats to throw on the wall. Like, I don't oh. really have <laughs> the funds to to get as spooky as I want, which is fine. I mean, this month we're more focused on the nuptials, the wedding. So The wedding. Yeah. Yes. That is important. I feel like once oh that's over, because that's like right in the middle of the month. That's the 15th. So I feel like once that's over, it's going to go full force hyperdrive spooky season for me so halloween will basically be your honeymoon exactly exactly. the best oh my gosh i love it so So today we're talking about witches some wicked every time i say wicked now i think of john travolta It sounds like, I was going to say that, it sounds like you're doing a John Travolta. (laughs) The wickedly talented Adele Dazeen. Adele Dazeen. It's one of my favorite things that's ever happened. It will never not be funny. It is so good every single time. We got to be alive during the time that that happened. Like, that's just a rare treat. We're so lucky. I remember. We should count our blessings. Watching it live and just thinking, what on earth did he just say? That was was not a name that I've ever heard. Oh, it's Idina. I see. Is he having a stroke right now? Oh, it's Idina Menzel. Like, what? Uh. Where? Adele Nazim, I Adele Nazim, <laughs> who is a witch. In, who is a witch in Wicked? So wicked. you know it all comes back together in Wicked. Alphabet's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good one. Today we're talking about witches, and I'm going to go first because my iPad's dying. I'm going to be talking about an entity known as the Bell Witch, and Ooh. some of this stuff I'll tell you is going to sound familiar because the Bell Witch inspired several horror movies, including The Witch, An American Haunting, Poltergeist, specifically the second one, Blair Witch Project, and a few aspects of the haunting that was portrayed in the first Conjuring movie. So, one of my most prized possessions is a rare book called An Authenticated History of the Famous Bell Witch by M.V. Ingram. And actually, the full title is An Authenticated History of the Famous Bell Witch, The Wonder of the 19th Century and Unexplained Phenomenon of the Christian Era. There weren't a lot of books back then, so you kind of had to put everything in the title. (laughs) (laughs) That's a mouthful. Fact. Yeah, there was no like back cover that told you what the book was about. The title really had to give you all of it. So <laughs> yeah. all of the information. <laughs> I have a 1961 reprint, but the book was actually published in 1894. That's awesome. That is so right. So cool. It's an old book. 
The introduction of the book is a letter dated July 1st, 1891 by former Tennessee State Representative James Allen Bell of Adairville, Kentucky. James Allen Bell was the son of Richard Williams Bell and the grandson of John Bell Sr., whose name you're going to hear a lot in this story. So essentially, he's a descendant of the people that this happened to. And in the letter, he explained that his father had met with his brother, John Bell Jr., before his death, and they agreed that no material he had collected should be released until the last immediate family member of John Bell Sr. had died. And you'll understand why he felt this way after I tell this story. Okay, I'm ready. So, John Bell was born in 1750 in North Carolina, and he married Lucy Williams in 1782, also from North Carolina. And in 1804, their family, John, Lucy, and their kids, Jesse, John Jr., Drury, Benjamin, Esther, Zadok, Elizabeth, Richard Williams, and Joel Egbert. (laughs) Goodness gracious. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Built a house and started a farm on 100 acres located on the Red River in Robertson County in what is today Adams, Tennessee. I almost went there on my way home from Nashville the other day just to see the Bell Witch Cave, but I couldn't take more driving than I was already doing. So, Oh, fair, fair. To this day, descendants of the Bells live in Tennessee and other southern and midwestern states, and you'll hear from one of them later. So... The Bells lived on this farm peacefully for several years, creepily enough, 13 years to be exact, with no issues whatsoever. And in those years, they prospered. They increased their land to 328 acres. They cleared a bunch of fields for planting. John Bell became an elder of the Red River Baptist Church. These fools had three more kids on top of the ones they already had. (laughs) They had a very happy and successful early life there, but one day, In 1817, John Bell encountered something really weird and creepy when he was inspecting their cornfield. He encountered a creature sitting in the middle of a row of corn. He said it had the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit, and it looked right at him. Nope. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. Nope. He had a gun because it was the 1800s and he shot directly. (laughs) Everyone had a gun and it's Tennessee. So nothing's changed. (laughs) Oh, yep. (laughs) Same, same. He shot directly at the animal several times, but it vanished. It seemed to not be affected by the gunshots at all. And it was weird, but like, whatever, weird looking dog ran off. Who cares? Well, that night at dinner, when John told his family about what he'd seen in the cornfield, they started to hear beating sounds on the outside walls of their log home. It was distinct enough that all the men went out to check the perimeter, but they found nothing. And as the mysterious knocking sounds increased with frequency and force each night, and the boys kept going outside and catching no one, some more strange sightings were occurring on their property. John's son, Drew Bell, reportedly approached an unknown bird perched on a fence that flew off as he, like, approached it and was of extraordinary size. And he said, like, you know, basically his whole life to the day he died, he'd never seen any bird like it. Oh, goodness. His daughter, Betsy, reported seeing a girl in a green dress swinging from the limb of an oak tree. Now, I do not know if that means swinging as in the fun kind or the sad, scary kind, but... 
Oh, regardless. that's a good point. Yeah. I was imagining a child on a swing hanging oh. from a tree, like a little wooden swing, but oh. I was picturing the other hanging. of just like feet <laughs> swinging there. Like, 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 yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I, I'm just thinking of the conjuring now. Okay. See? There's going to be a lot of things mm-hmm, you're like, mm-hmm, I've seen that in a movie. Mm-hmm. I've seen that in a movie. Right. <laughs> Dean, one of Bell's slaves. Oof. Yeah, they had slaves. They lived in Tennessee in the 1800s. Uh, But Dean reported being followed by a large black dog, especially on evenings when he went to visit his wife. But they could never actually catch this large black dog that people reported seeing on the property. So the knocking. The knocking was persistent. It happened every night. Then more sounds started happening. They heard gnawing on bedposts, but they never found any rats. They heard the sounds of dogs fighting, like in the room Ugh. with them. It sounded like dogs were fighting, but they had eyes no. and could see that there was nothing in the room. Ooh, that would be so unsettling. They reported hearing chains moving across their wood floor. Sheets were pulled from the beds while the children slept. Their pillows would be thrown on the floor. The children's hair started to be pulled. They were getting scratched. The daughter Betsy seemed to be getting the worst of it as there was an instance where she was slapped and pinched and stuck with pins. Oh, my God. It was around this time. It's too much. It was around this time (laughs) in the early days of the strange events where John Bell began experiencing paralysis of the mouth, which will come (gasps) around again later. Oh, gosh. That's a new nightmare for me now. Truly. The other night. I might have to bleep this out. The other night I got high and I was sitting there watching TV with Joe and all of a sudden my hand like was resting on my stomach. My hand sort of like raised by itself and then went back down almost like it just sort of like flittered up. And then I all of a sudden got crazy paranoid and I was like, I don't have control over my body anymore. Oh, Oh, my God. Jeez. And that oh thought God. never went away until I wasn't wasn't high anymore. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's the rough part about being high. Maybe <laughs> it was a witch. Or about. maybe I was too high. Uh, so a little too high. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> this family was experiencing shit nightly, and they were terrified. They asked a family friend who they trusted, James Johnston, to help. They asked him just to stay the night and tell them what he experienced. And apparently he experienced a bunch of shit that night because the next morning he sat down at breakfast and was like, hey, what? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what the hell was that? I I have to head out. (laughs) He he said he experienced the sounds, that his covers were taken from him and his wife a few times during the night. And at one point he was slapped hard. And when that happened, he jumped from the bed and said, in the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want? He didn't get a response. However, they also didn't experience another thing for the rest of the night. And because of this, he said he believed it was a, quote, spirit like in the Bible, which could either be a demon or an angel. So (laughs) which one do you think lives here? (laughs) Right. So word of the activity in the house started to spread and people started to turn up to witness it for themselves. People came from far and wide and the activity did ramp up. So along with the bumps and scratches and chains and dog fights, they started to hear a voice. It was a faint whispering voice, too weak to understand. But according to the family and other witnesses at the time, it sounded like a feeble old woman singing hymns. 
Which, like, you couldn't tell me a scarier thing. Yeah, no, no, thank you. That is just nightmare fuel that is in every horrifying movie. It's either a little child or an old woman mm-hmm. singing a hymn. There's, and I'm out. I have yeah. to check out. There's something so scary. I mean, the sounds of dogs fighting would just be startling. But, like, to hear a small voice singing to you something that's supposed to be comforting but like is 100% not I think is so much worse yeah that is true it's like it's something yep. trying to lure you almost pretty much like, come yeah. little Ooh. children oh, it's that it's that <laughs> it's that. Sarah Sanderson <laughs> luring everybody in Ugh. it sounds nice but it's not okay also I literally have like goosebumps while you're telling this story oh. this is so much fun this story I'm is so scared <laughs> thank you for bringing us the best scariest story <laughs> As the voice started to become clearer, the slaps and pinches became a lot more rough. The children especially would start showing their parents large red welts in the morning when they woke up. The family did start trying to communicate with the entity, which some people in the paranormal community would say is a huge no-no, but also, what the fuck are you supposed to do? It's 1818. Do you find an Airbnb? I feel like at that time, you're just kind of in the shitter. Yeah, you're grasping at whatever you can do. Exactly. Yes. So as they attempted communication, the voice became clearer and clearer and strengthened over time to the point where it became a loud and unmistakable voice. It sang hymns, quoted scripture, carried on intelligent conversations. And one night, one of the most famous occurrences in the house, the voice quoted word for word two sermons that were being preached at the same time on the same day, 13 miles apart. Reverend James Gunn of the Bethel Methodist Church, followed by the sermon of Sug Fort. Like, in what world? Like, how did they substantiate that that was happening at the same time? They didn't know at the time. It was only after. They knew that this thing was, like, preaching a sermon, but it was only after. I think they found out about the the Bethel Methodist Church first. Like, someone talked to it. Because back then it was like, Like, what did you see? It It wasn't like, what did you see at the movies? It was like, what did you hear at church? Right. Gotcha. Yeah. No, Mm. that's freaking terrifying. And they put it all together and were like, um... Hello? (laughs) The voice supposedly loved religious arguments and would share gossip about activities in other households in the community, which is fabulous. I would. Oh my gosh, spilling the tea. For a paranormal entity to tell me all the drama. Yes. I feel like. If I become a ghost, if I, you know, don't pass on to anywhere and I can haunt, I think I'll be a gossip. Oh, right. I think I will absolutely be a little gossip ghoul. Gossip ghoul. Gossip ghoul. That's our new show. Yeah, why isn't that a TV show? Good <laughs> gravy. Okay. I would whisper in their ear and be like, your neighbor's drunk again. <laughs> <laughs> Sandra's cheating on her husband. Look at the window. <laughs> One night, John Johnston, who was James' son, the family friend who stayed to witness the shit show for himself, came over saying he had an idea. He had heard about the sermons. He had heard about all this stuff. So he wanted to test the witch. At this point, they were definitely calling the entity a witch. And I'll talk about kind of why later. So anyways, James decides he's going to, or sorry, John. John decides he's going to ask the witch something no one in the family could even know. 
So he asked the entity what his Dutch grandmother in North Carolina would say to her slaves, again, yikes, but that's the life, if she thought they had done something wrong. And apparently the entity responded immediately and with a Dutch accent said, hut tut, what has happened now? And John turned white and left and never came back to the house. <laughs> yikes. I love that the ghost does impressions, though. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. gossip. Perfect impressions. <laughs> like this, like, take the show <laughs> on the road. Like, why oh are you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this ghost just loves so What attention. an entertainment. Yeah. Like, if yeah, SNL yeah. existed in 1818. <laughs> This entity. Boy, do I have a cast member for you. (laughs) Now do a guy from New York. Hey. uh, (laughs) Now do Abe. Do Honest Abe. (laughs) So, oh, there was also a time where an unnamed Englishman showed up on the property and asked if he could investigate the haunting. I say unnamed just because they did not put his name in this, like, extremely detailed book. But they said (laughs) that he was from England. He was a skeptic. Uh, He wanted to investigate. He didn't buy any of the rumors of what was going on there. Sure. Um, The next morning, he left immediately and did not say goodbye. Like, the family woke up and he was gone. And uh, he had written the Bell family later and said that the entity began mimicking his parents' voices. Oh, my God. Nope. That's awful. And that he even believed that it had visited his family in England as they ended up having a few nights of strange occurrences there after it happened. Oh, my God. And he also, in the letter, apologized for his skepticism. (laughs) (laughs) Like, sorry, I wasn't on board. This is absolutely happening. Instant karma. Got it. Yep, yep, yep. Now, the witch was not mean to everyone. She seemed to specifically have it out for John and his daughter Betsy for some reason. Uh, In fact, there was one point where Betsy was sort of dating a boy. But, you know, back then that meant they, like, went on walks sometimes. And the witch did not approve. And any time she'd spend time with this boy, his name was Joshua Gardner, the entity would get violent and torment her. And not just at the house. She had experiences in town as well. And actually, one of the famous landmarks of the family's farm that still stands in Adams, Tennessee today is the Bell Witch Cave. Um, You can actually go and like there's signs for it in the town. It's like a tourist location. Um, It was a cave on their property that Betsy and Joshua would often play around when they were much younger and then obviously like try and meet up at and like flirt when they were older And when the violence ramped up, that was where Betsy would go to try and escape it and kind of sneak off with Joshua. But eventually the tormenting started to take place there, too. And they just couldn't escape it. It would happen everywhere along the river in the fields at the cave. And she ended up breaking off her own engagement on Easter morning in 1821 because she literally couldn't take it anymore. Um, Supposedly, the entity straight up told her not to marry Joshua, which like if it was me, I'd be like done yeah like if some haunting was pinching me and poking me and hitting me and was like don't marry that guy i'd be like whatever you say yeah but it also doesn't sound like this entity has her best interests at heart it just sounds like it's (laughs) not looking out for her yeah (laughs) it's also you should know that the person the man who was like out for her at the time that like wanted her hand in marriage was a former school teacher of hers 
And that's who she ended okay. up marrying. Oh, no. So that's the worst. Yeah. But anyway, so male teachers have just been predators for a while now, I guess. It's, uh, it's yeah, I mean, Consistent older men that. in general. Not all, not all. But nope, yes. every okay. male teacher. <laughs> <laughs> every, every male teacher ever. So um, most of the time, the the entity displayed only kindness to John's wife, Lucy, and John Bell Jr. The voice would sing hymns to her, sing lullabies to John Jr. She, it would bring Lucy fresh fruit. Like, please. Oh. And that was who she usually gossiped with, too. Like, if, if the entity was sharing gossip, it was usually with Lucy. Oh, my gosh. Here's a peach. Let's talk yeah, about Let's talk that's about like, the yeah, That's like a Casper the Friendly Ghost for some <laughs> yeah. people yes. in the family. Like, Seriously. Okay, you got a new BFF. Uh-huh. But she referred to John food. Bell Sr. as Old Jack and told him she intended on killing him. <laughs> uh, well, there it is. I guess it's and not there it like, is. funny, There's but it evil. kind of is. Like, maybe John Bell sucked. I don't know. Yeah. So there Maybe were some other incidents of note. For example, another family friend stayed with them. His name was William Porter, and he claimed that something climbed into bed with him in the middle of the night. It was a solid thing. He was able to grab it with the sheets and intended to throw it in the fire, but he said that its immense weight and terrible smell prevented him from succeeding. So that's terrifying. Yikes. The fact that it was so heavy that he couldn't lift it and it stank, like, no. Ugh. Nope. But to wrap this up, the Bell Witch was intent on killing John Bell, according to the family, constantly vowing to kill him. Bell had been experiencing episodes of, remember, the paralysis of his mouth, mm-hmm. twitching in his face, and difficulty swallowing for over a year at this point, and it was growing worse and worse. By the fall of 1820, he was confined to the house where supposedly he was constantly being slapped and having seizures. I feel like take him to a hospital, but I don't know. It's 1820. Like, maybe that's not an option. I don't really know the sitch. Like, that sounds awful. John Bell slipped into a coma on December 19th and died the next morning on December 20th. Wow. And his family found a vial of strange black liquid in the cupboard in John Bell's room. And to find out what it was, they supposedly tried it on the cat, and it killed the cat. <laughs> Sorry, that's not funny, but it is. It's not. I mean, funny. it's just poor. Kitty. Give it to the cat. I'm sure. Yeah, it'll be give fine. it to the cat. See what just happens. Give it to the cat. Uh, and it killed Let's the cat. Test it. So they were like, it's poison, oh. obviously. And actually, after the cat died, they they claimed that they heard the voice say, "I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night, and that fixed Ooh. him." Yikes. So then John Jr. threw this mysterious vial in the fireplace where it burst into a bright blue flame and shot up the chimney. What? Jesus. Okay. I'm sorry. What is happening? Almost cartoon-like. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Seriously. Is this Disney? At his funeral, which was apparently one of the largest ever held in Robertson County, Tennessee at the time, attendees say they heard laughing. And the singing of drinking songs the entire time up until everyone left the cemetery. Wow. Wow. This ghost really hated this guy. Hated him. Seriously. Hated his fucking like, I will do everything bad. Goodness. The entity pretty much disappeared after his death. Small things would happen, but nothing like when John Bell was alive. 
In April of 1821, the entity visited Lucy, who she seemed to care for, and told her that it was leaving but would return in seven years. And the entity did return in 1828, and uh, most of its return was centered around John Bell Jr., who, again, the entity seemed to like. And um, he claimed, and John Bell Jr. was the one who made the deal with his brother to not release any any of this like information that they were kind of writing down about the Bell Witch until after the last descendant was dead because they feared for basically this curse returning. Retribution, yeah. 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 So he claimed that he discussed with the entity the origin of life civilizations and the need for a major spiritual reawakening this is all so fascinating yeah yeah the entity supposedly predicted the civil war and a few other major events in three weeks the entity left again and told john bell jr it would visit his most direct descendant in 107 years and that year would be 1935, and at the time, the closest living descendant was Nashville physician Dr. Charles Bailey Bell, a neurologist who was John Bell Sr.'s great-grandson. And as far as we know, she didn't return. At least nothing was ever reported. And it's not like Dr. Bell was unaware. Like, he had the notebook with the alleged talks between the entity and John Bell Jr. in 1828. He was well aware that she was supposed to show back up again. But if she did, he never said. Mm. Today, as I said earlier, there are many descendants of the Bell family, one of which being Lucy Bell Butler, who was named after John's, John Bell's wife, Lucy, which is her like great, great, great grandmother. And she said okay. growing up, anytime something creepy or weird happened, the family would just naturally and nonchalantly be like, oh, that's the Bell witch. And <laughs> she believes that the witch Don't mind. is yeah. not confined to the farm, that it's not a haunting of the area, but a haunting of her family. And she believes oh. the family is what is haunted and followed. She says her and her daughter have seen the black dog of legend with the strange face. She said there was a giggling girl that ran around their family home at night and would play with her daughter's toys. She said that the entity was kind of up to her old tricks, very sweet and loving to the people she liked and not so much with the ones she didn't. She said that the witch did not like her father, who was an actor in Memphis, a real smooth talker, handsome sort of swindler type who may or may not have had connections to the Florida Mafia. We don't know. (laughs) She said one incident when she was little, her dad was about to host a gathering at their home. And he purchased a new stereo system that cost him a pretty penny. And the night before the event, they went downstairs because they heard noises and they found their living room filled with thousands of crickets all climbing into the stereo system. Oh, my God. And they completely ruined the stereo system. Oh, man. Shit. Lucy said she thinks... Uh, she said, I, I think she punishes people that needed to be punished, but she also took care of the ones she liked. And I thought it was interesting that she said needed to be punished and not that she thought needed to be punished. Like her dad must have been a real piece of work. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Even Lucy's husband, Larry Butler, was a skeptic when they first met, but has since changed his mind. He said he's witnessed Lucy's things moving, like hanging jewelry and one time a tassel hanging from a lamp that was spinning rapidly in circles. Huh. So real quick, you may be thinking, okay, this whole story sounds like a haunting, not a witch. Why is it called a witch? That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) There's two reasons for that. Well, one, the entity straight up said that it was a witch, which is why they started calling it a witch. And at one point early on in the haunting, before the major injuries and deaths occurred, the entity actually said it was Kate Batts. Mary Catherine, a.k.a. Kate Batts, was an outcast in the Red River community. So she was an actual woman who lived there. Um... She was married to a man who was paralyzed from the waist down, and she did the majority of the hard physical labor on her family's farm for him. And she was supposedly kind of a strange bird, and there were rumors that she was into the occult, but never really any proof. Like, nothing was offered that was, you know, solid that showed that she was into witchcraft in any way. Mm-hmm. In the early years of the century, Benjamin Batts, her brother-in-law, did have a dispute with John Bell over the sale of a slave. She strongly denied any connection to the haunting, but the entity responded to Kate and is still even called Kate by a lot of people. So huh. that's interesting. Yeah. But two, I think it's also because a lot of shit was blamed on witches at the time. Like a lot of shit was blamed on witches. Of course. Right. Bad if harvest. Sh- yeah, they were always bad the, harvest. Always the if a children, if a child yeah. disappeared, a witch took it. You know, like if a, if a child mm-hmm. disobeyed, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a witch. A witch. Yeah. There was so many things. Thinking about you know John Bell, for example, with his face paralyzation and the involuntary twitching and the trouble swallowing the seizures. Like, it's pretty clear he had some sort of neurological issue. But back right. then, I'm sure it seemed mm-hmm. a lot like he got poisoned by a witch, <laughs> you yep. know, like. Right. So they didn't know what to make of it. So they're like, well, it had to be that witch. And it possibly could have been connected to the entity or it could be that he had uh, an issue, epilepsy or something that wasn't uh, uh, medically taken care of. And there was also sure. a case around this time in 1868 about Tom Clenard and Dick Burgess. They killed a man named Smith. The first name was either Charles or James. It was a long time ago. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, they worked with this guy, and according to them, he claimed that he had had the powers of witchcraft and would use these powers against these guys. And supposedly, he said he got the powers by praying at the altar of the Bell Witch. So they killed him, and the jury of State versus Clenard and Burgess returned a not guilty verdict on account of witchcraft. Oh, Mallow. But in reality, it was just a stranger in a small community that two guys didn't like. <laughs> yep. Yep. So. Yep, yep, yep. Anyways, that's the story of the Bell Witch. Did she exist? It is quite a it's story. It's such a fucking story. I'm sorry I talked for so long. It's so crazy. I'm so glad you did. It was so much fun. It was so worth it. That yeah. was the story we've been waiting for. Well, and it like opens up so many questions like do you think like you said is it a witch i don't know a lot of it sounds like demonic possession yeah but like mm-hmm. this haunting through the centuries and like this right. 
entity seeming to travel the world in a moment's notice. Like, this is some <laughs> all-powerful being that just, it raises Truly. so many more questions. Like, and, you I know, love that. witches don't deal with the devil. Witches don't believe in the devil. However, right. there are people who believe in the devil who practice witchcraft. Mm-hmm. You know, so like on, on the whole, witches don't, it's not like in our vocabulary, we don't believe in the devil. Right. But there are right. plenty of people, especially back then, when the devil and God were were very real to most mm-hmm. people. Yeah, maybe maybe there was a witch right. who put a curse on the family. And maybe that curse was demonic possession. Like, I don't know. But right. she's a scary bitch. Yeah regardless right. she is it is so fascinating yeah that was really great way to start us off i know way to kick things off girl no, now, now i'm like i gotta throw some extra into mine <laughs> no you i know really i'm like don't, let me cushion mine with for forever so <laughs> i knew mine was gonna be long we're slowly like bringing in facts yeah, that are little, not caveat. facts at all. You're like, and then one time <laughs> and she flew across the roof. She flew into Mine the distance could teleport and someone too. in a mask. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Add some murder well, <laughs> and spice and everything nice. Well, Laura, you're next and you're talking about a bad bitch too. Yeah, and actually it's a, I feel like it's going to be a really nice stark contrast um because <laughs> Your first one was very scary, kind of what I picture when I think of, like, evil witches. And then the woman I chose was French poisoner and witch by the name of La Voisson. Which also is just the best French name. Yeah, it's really good. Voisson. Uh, It looks like poison, but just with a V. Um, And I was like, ooh, is that why? And it's like, no, that's just, like, (laughs) a shortened version of her last name. But, uh, yeah, no. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm going to be talking about the witch La Voisson. Uh, She was living in Paris in the late 1600s. And yeah, like I said, instead of living on the edge of society or living in the woods, like kind of what I picture when I picture a witch, um, she was the absolute opposite. She was living in high society, like really living it up, uh, rich. She was famous um, pretty much all up until the day it came crashing down in what would later be known as L'Affaire des Poisons, uh, one of France's <laughs> largest witch hunts, uh, which I had never heard of until I, I researched this. I want a yeah. perfume with that name. <laughs> Ooh, L'Affaire des Poisons? Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> Just careful around the eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Don't get it in your mouth. Call poison control. So originally she was Catherine uh, D.A. And not much is known about her early life. She was born in 1640 and most likely grew up poor. Like, because you don't know her parents. She claimed to learn how to tell fortunes at the age of nine. Mm. Um, And that's a little unusual. But again, if you think of it, she probably grew up poor. And so she probably did it as a way to kind of support herself. Yeah. At the age of 20, she married a merchant by the name of Anton Mauvaison. He sold jewels and silk, um, but unfortunately, he was utterly incompetent. Great. Yeah. Catherine found out uh, he was in massive amounts of debt and his business was going bankrupt. So instead of falling back into a life of poverty, she just uh, went to work doing what she knew. 
She started reading fortunes for a small circle of French, uh, the French upper crust. On top of fortune telling, she learned uh, chiromancy, which is palm reading. I didn't know that. Um, and uh, face readings. She became an herbalist and would make tinctures and potions that would soothe aches and pains. Um, and through that study, she actually became a midwife and later started providing abortions, which were illegal at the time. Wow. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Way this to go, This is Catherine. a bad bitch. Right? At the beginning of her career, all this was kind of done under the loose idea of secrecy. Um, it was well known that she did these things, but people were probably paying extra for discretion, so you couldn't really pin it on any one person. And uh, right. when the Catholic Church did put some heat on her for her like witchcraft and uh, her fortune telling, she claimed she was merely using the gifts that God had given her. She kind of nice just move. flipped it on its head and was like, yeah, no, it's just like, nope, it's not witchcraft. It's it's a God-given gift. Uh, I thank the Lord for it. Uh, she went you to know, church you every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> you know that guy. It's and you know what? They were fine with it. They were like, okay, yeah, that seems, that seems right. So they really kind of just so let smart. her do her own thing. By the late 1660s, though, things uh, started booming for Catherine. She was wealthy. She was famous. Uh, she was fully supporting her family of six easily. They had, like, moved to this giant mansion in the countryside. Um, and she had basically taken her one-woman, like, witch business and turned it into, like, a network. So, because she was getting so many clients, like, she couldn't keep up with it. So, like, she had women working for her as midwives, women working for her as uh, herbalists, basically going out when she couldn't. Uh, she was busy with clients who were among the highest of the aristocracy in France. And I looked up some of the names of these people, and it did not help. Um, so, uh, like, Olympia Mancini Contest de Soissons. And, yeah, you're uh, like, I wonder ooh. if I know any of them. Yeah, no. They're, oh, JK. They're cl all clickable links on Wikipedia, but nope, I have never heard of any of these people. <laughs> and if I try to say them, it's just going to sound hysterical because it's all French names and I'm terrible at my French pronunciation. Um, so she was having these fancy pants people come to her house where she would like perform her magic for them all day. And then at night they would have these like wild lavish garden parties where it was just the booze was flowing and it was it. well known she was a bit of a drinker just a straight up alcoholic um <laughs> she was rumored to have at least six lovers okay love that for her i know i know right? get it get it girl a couple of which were like hey you should maybe take care of your husband and then we can be married. But I got to hand it to her. She's like, nah, we're good. Nah. Like, my husband's my husband. You're my lover. Don't confuse the things. And, <laughs> like, oh, don't get it crossed. <laughs> so as her business as a fortune teller and simple herbalist grew, she started to notice a pattern with a lot of her clients. They always wanted something more. Um, someone to fall in love with them or someone to die that they could inherit a mass fortune or... Maybe I wish my spouse would disappear so I could marry somebody else, like that kind of thing. Right. So she started offering potions that she claimed could do just that. It's less like 
aches and pains, tinctures. She's moved away from herbalism now and is just straight up making magical potions that she says will grant your ultimate desire. She would brew love potions. She's getting into love potions. Yeah, she would brew love potions or make good luck amulets. Um, And again, always with the public disclaimer that only with God's will will these work. Of course. Yeah. Right, right, right. She would even tell her clients to go and pray to certain saints, like just to keep the church off her back. And that kind of gave her free reign to get into some darker stuff. But she started selling poisons um, and got very, very good at it. Okay. To this day, it's unknown how many deaths she's responsible for, but Ooh, some say. Child. <laughs> some say it's around a thousand. Oh my god. Whoa. <laughs> and she was just slipping under the radar? Oh yeah. Like it was again Amazing. it's that everyone knew she was a poisoner, but because uh-huh. the rich people were the ones paying for it, it was like, yep. you know, look the other way, like totally a well known secret. She was so brilliant with her clientele, man. Oh yeah. Some say it was, yeah, over a thousand. Uh some people claim it's over twenty five hundred, honestly, to this day. Goodness. Yeah, this and, and again, this is also like through her network. So it's not just her single handedly, like it's also like her business of selling poisons right. to people. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. So yeah, that like, this is just a full blown business for her. Wow. So needless to say, her morality is maybe taking a bit of a dip here. <laughs> um, <laughs> she started charging big, big bucks to perform what they call dark masses she would employ priests some of which were her lovers others who she probably blackmailed to hold satanic rituals in the catacombs beneath her home all this with the illusions that her clients could pay for their deepest darkest wishes to come true through like the power of satan uh so We've said, like, witches don't normally go for Satan. Uh, This witch was very into Satan. Love it. Like, she, their altars would be made, like, not made. Their altar was a naked human woman. Ah, okay. Willing. Like, she was in on it, too. They would wear these, like, insanely gaudy red velvet robes with gold embroidery. And just, like, it, it was, it was really over the top. I'm very into this. Oh, yeah. No, it was... I mean, but, you know, it's a dark side. It, it's a real, real yes. dark side. Because what I'm going to say next is unsubstantiated. Um, okay. So you could decide to put it in or leave it out. But okay. it said that these dark masses, each was sealed with the blood of a newborn baby. Woo! Yeah. There are some people that claim that uh, at the end of all this, her catacombs were exhumed and they found baby skeletons. Oh. Other people say, like, that's not true. So it's really back and forth. But also, if you think about it, she had a network of midwives that could yep. get, un- like, maybe, like, it doesn't say that they were alive. So maybe it was, like, 
you know, stillborn situations. Yeah. But yeah. That's what I was thinking in my head, which I know is horrible, but I was yeah. like, oh, wow, she would have, <laughs> she like, would have resources for that. That's so yeah. sad. Yeah, no. So it's all fun and games until someone's killing newborn babies. Yeah. She, I was like so yeah. into this with Liberals. the robes and all the rituals. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, never mind. Uh, I don't like this anymore. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's. That's the dark side. She was awful. But ultimately, it's a poisoning that she didn't even commit that was going to turn out to be her downfall. Oh, Oh, no. So here we are now. We're going to enter the Affaire des Poisons. And it was a scandal that rocked French nobility. Uh, It began with the trial of Madame de Brinvillia, who was accused of working with her lover to murder her father and brother so she could inherit his estate. Hmm. So King Louis XIV became absolutely terrified by this case that he might be become a victim of poisoning. So he began having all his servants taste test his meals. That's like kind of where this started. You see that in film and TV Mm. sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, so he's really scared. So Mm -hmm. he gave the chief of Paris police permission to conduct what amounted to basically a witch hunt, and they just started arresting women left and right. Anyone who probably had whispers about she could be a witch probably got arrested. Right. Right. Well, and it was like, now they're arresting basic simple fortune tellers, people who are actually just providing herbalism. Like, it's the kind of is just like, I saw her do something that I don't understand, arrest her, question her, see what she knows. So basically, it's just finger pointing at this point. One woman leads to another woman. And because she has this large network, eventually, La Voisson was arrested. (laughs) When she was arrested, it's said that she probably wasn't tortured, which is kind of what you'd expect when a woman in the 1600s is accused of witchcraft at the time. Uh, But instead, the chief of police knew that she straight up was an alcoholic so he kept her intoxicated while jailed the entire time probing her for details on who she served and what those services entailed and because she was blackout drunk she confessed to literally everything damn oh man (laughs) come on girl (laughs) you know like if i'm gonna go to prison like sure have a bottle of wine waiting for me and this might be a lot easier for everybody (laughs) i mean true So while she's confessing everything, it comes out that her most high-profile client was Madame Montespan, which was the official mistress of King Louis XIV. Oh, wow. She was, like, his number one mistress for, like, ten years. And then when his interest started waning, he started kind of going after somebody else. This woman, Madame Montespan, hired La Foison to brew a love potion at first to like get the king back interested in her and then she was like no you need to actually start brewing me poisons at first it was believed to kill just the new mistress but Mm -hmm. then plans were actually found that nope it was to kill the king himself so was so close to actually just murdering the king of france damn right that is wild that would be so insane Right? Yep. Um, I like there are unconfirmed plans even where like 
she poisoned a piece of parchment and like got it to the court, but like it didn't make it into his hands to be poisoned. Like it, there's a lot of unsubstantiated claims of like how close she almost came to killing this Man. guy. Oh, that would have been wild. Like so I, wild. like I, like I don't. I'm not gonna say like I wanted it. I wanted to have happened. <laughs> Right, but like, but like, but there's like a small part. I would like to see the timeline where that happens, yeah. So I can just yes. see what happens, you know. Yeah. Yes, like, I want to be on that timeline because right? what a fascinating story! My God, oh my God! So obviously, with this new bit of information she revealed, uh, while totally trashed, <laughs> they were like, "Sorry, you're super guilty." So she was sentenced to burn at the stake for witchcraft. Her death to set an example for the women of the court and the necromancers and fortune tellers doing business in Paris. She went to her death in early 1680 after the Chambre en the Fiery Court, which is a great name. I just have a yeah. terrible French accent. It sounded like you said al dente, and I was like, mm, yeah. that's, that's what how I, thought I love too. my I was pasta. Like, oh, like the pasta? <laughs> <laughs> so how I cook my noodles, I see. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they found her guilty worthy, and worthy of the harshest punishments the court could deal out. And on the day of her death, uh, it says she didn't go quietly. Some say she begged for mercy. Some say she shouted her innocence. But most say she cursed the families of each of the men responsible for her verdict. Mm-hmm. Yep. In total, over 300 people were arrested in the investigation, including Jeez. 36, like Lavoisin, who ended up being executed for their crimes. Wow. Most of the French nobility, including Madame Montespan, escaped punishment thanks to the king, who was worried that if people learned the truth, that his court was teeming with liars, murderers, and witches, the peasant class would rebel, or worse, England would use the scandal as a reason to invade. So basically, he swept all the aristocracy's sins under the rug and just, you know, murdered the peasants. Wow. Yeah, and so for a time... Catherine Montfaison was a murderer, fortune teller, entrepreneur, high priestess, prisoner, witch, and even more powerful than the king himself. I fucking love that story. Also, it it just makes me think of today when you're like, the aristocracies were fine. We killed the peasants. It's like, oh, like today when rich people get off with a slap on the wrist and poor people go to prison for the rest of their lives. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. The people who are actually doing the murdering and like using these poisons, they're not going to jail. It's the people who made the poisons. Yeah. Yeah. We're just... I would say they're just trying to make an honest buck, but I guess they're not really trying to do that, are they? (laughs) No, they're not. Not so much. (laughs) You know, it's called supply and demand. If there's a demand for poison, uh, just uh, that's just being a shrewd businesswoman. Yeah, that's just capitalism. She was yeah. a great entrepreneur, is what we've True. learned. Like right? just uh, an evil, poisonous entrepreneur. But man, she knew. Like she saw. Oh yeah. She saw the need. She saw the clientele from a mile away, and was like, "Yep, this is going to be my life and my business, and I'm going to do amazing things." I want she... this movie. Why don't we have this right? movie? And yeah. I want it to what? be like the great on Hulu. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Like kind of like funny, <laughs> yeah. fun. Yeah. 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 Because they're long I mean, dead. We can laugh at them. 
the satanic rituals are kind of like a little bit not great, but the rest of it would be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can silly up the rituals, you That's know? That's true. Silly them up for I mean, because honestly, they probably were so freaking like fabulous they were fabulous (laughs) a naked woman adorned with sushi i mean probably wine goblets if we are she probably had wine red velvet definitely wine dead babies the robes oh well okay these are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> Ashley! What? It's Halloween! If you said, if you said has the last model, one, I would have I agreed with the song. Oh, gosh. I'm just saying. That's rough. I think we all know it's... what Ashley's going as for Halloween this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I gotta get my red, red velvet, velvet robes out. and giant velvet, goblets of yes. wine. Yeah. Part of the, yeah, get a great goblet. You got it. And a naked I mean, lady as a platter. Right? <laughs> yes. I put on my I'm here for it. Accoutrement. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Fabulous. I'm obsessed with her. How do you yeah, say your name? Yeah, that was great. La Boisson. So this La is going to be really ridiculous. What? So does anybody remember this song? I keep thinking song? of Little Mermaid. I was going to say, does anybody remember the song from Little Mermaid? La Poisson. La Poisson. Yep. It was a thousand percent. Yeah, which is fish. I was just thinking yeah. that the whole time. Like, is it's, her last name fish? But it's no, spelled exactly the same, but instead of a P, it's a V. Right. So, yeah. No, just sing a P, that. not a V. Yeah. Just sing that song whenever you want to say her name. Also, French is so hard to pronounce. French I, is so hard. I'm I'm sorry if you have any French listeners. It's a beautiful language when French people it speak is. it. It's a garbage language. language when Americans speak yeah. it. And yeah. La it's so beautiful to La listen to. Voisin. I just don't. Yeah. I don't have the talent at all. But no, it is so. And, I'll do like, toilet. I picked this story and like reading it for I've been reading it for a week and I was like this is gonna be great and then when I went to practice reading it out loud I was like oh no, oh, no. I can't say <laughs> any of this uh, yeah. yeah well we're with you so <laughs> it's fine we're all trash together Okay, well, now I am so happy I switched to my shorter one, Ashley. I, know, I switched at the last second. <laughs> I had no, no, oh my gosh, your, both of your stories were great. And I had a longer one and I switched to my shorter story, but now it really works. <laughs> so, hello. Hi. We are into the final witch. I am going to talk about a witch named Tituba, which again, I think that's the correct pronunciation. Yeah. T- was there? I've heard Tituba before. Or Tituba. Yeah. I've heard both, and okay. so I never know. Or okay. Tituba. I like Tituba better. Tituba. Or who? <laughs> I made, <gasps> that, made that pronunciation up. I have a question. Was Tituba in the Bible? Yes. Was that, a na- that the I name s- of a witch in a Bible? A witch in a Bible? I said that so A dumb. Bible somewhere. One of the Bibles. One of the Bibles? I'm sure. It's it, it's interesting because, I mean, this witch is everywhere. Like, I'm going to get to that at the end okay. of, like, all of the pop culture references especially. But I, ooh, I'm looking back. I don't think I've found anything. Okay, um, that's fair. I'm excited because I know this name. It's, like, one of those things I've heard this before. I literally have no idea ooh, about this okay. witch. Like, I know nothing about them. Okay. Yes. There are lots of pop culture references, but not always the story that comes forward. Like in American Horror Story, they're in the coven. 
season, there was definitely reference to her, but it was just sort of like, oh, we are ancestors of this witch. So (laughs) today I am talking about Tichuba, who is a very famous witch in pop culture, but her story has been skewed and changed a million times. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to go online and find what historians have pieced together of her actual life, what they could find, um, basically her story when she was in court, which we will get to, um, just all of the things that they know for sure happened. And then the rest is based on hearsay and just sort of like the fallout of what happened after she had her day in court. So some of this, you know, is actual history and the rest we're kind of just piecing together. But either way, she's fascinating. There's a reason she is used in so many books and television shows. So Tichuba was an enslaved woman who was the very first to be accused of witchcraft in Salem. That's why I knew her name. Yep. The very first. so familiar, but I had no idea. Yeah. Now you know why you know the name. The very first to be accused of witchcraft in Salem. She gave a crazy testimony in court, which is another reason that she's famous, talking about a coven, a devil's book, evil animal spirits, all because she had to explain away some odd symptoms that took over a group of Salem girls in 1692. And when people in the town were on the hunt, something had to be told. So what do we actually know about this woman and her testimony? So Tituba's story, as potentially convoluted as it is, Um, She was definitely a part of the Salem witch trials. So Chichuba was definitely a woman of color. We know that. And she was likely an indigenous Central American who Mm. was an enslaved worker in the house of Reverend Samuel Paris in Salem. He was a Puritan minister. So cool guy. Really just working under a really cool Lucy Goosey guy. (laughs) I don't even need to know anything about him to know that he was cool and chill. (laughs) Super say no more. (laughs) You really wanted him to be your boss. And at the time, slavery in the colonies was on the rise, and the West Indies was rapidly becoming Europe's most important center for the slave trade. And Reverend Samuel Paris bought Tichuba in uh, Barbados, where she had been enslaved since her capture as a young, young child. So very sad part of the story, just (sighs) slave her entire life. Um, So he brought her to Massachusetts in 1680 when she was a teen. And at some point she married another enslaved man named John Indian and they had a daughter named Violet. But there's just not a lot of history on them as a family. And I think they had to keep a lot of stuff under the radar. So that is the harder stuff to find. And that's where historians are just sort of like, we're putting it together the best we can. But there's not a lot of paper trail for enslaved people. Yeah, Yes. But she did have a family at one point. Hopefully, you know, she had little pockets of happiness happiness (laughs) with that. Yeah, that's all you can hope. Um, So she was caring for the Paris children. She was working for this family and was mainly the nanny. Those were her main duties. And Samuel Paris's daughter and niece were among the first girls who began to show some strange symptoms in Salem in 1692. It was always... That was the first thing they looked at whenever there was a witch hunt, whenever, you know, all of these thoughts started going and they thought witchcraft was involved was usually young girls were saying like, I saw something weird or like, I, I feel weird or I'm just, they're saying strange things. And it's like, okay, who's been talking to you? So 
these girls, who were members of the Paris family, had been playing a fortune-telling game mm-hmm. that involved dropping an egg white into a glass of water. And supposedly the form the egg white took in the water would help predict who the girls would marry and sort of show shapes of their future lives. Yeah, and it's literally just the same way that we played MASH. Yeah. A thousand percent. It sounds like a sleepover We all loved MASH. Exactly. Lies a feather, stiff as a board. Like imagine if our aunts were burned because they taught us how to play MASH. That's essentially what we're talking about. Oh my gosh. You're saying the future All my notebooks were filled with. Yeah. You I'm going to live in a trailer, there. but I'm going to have an Escalade, and I'm going to marry Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and we're going to have 18 kids. You better put burned at the oh. stake as an option on that match, yeah. because that's what's yes. going to happen. <laughs> Add that on the final witch, line. Witch, witch, you're a oh. witch. <laughs> so we say fortune-telling game. It was MASH. Yeah. It was match in the, MASH in the 1690s, everybody. So they're dropping their their egg into their egg white into the glass of water to see what shapes they're seeing. But apparently one day the girls saw a coffin in one of the glasses. They started freaking out. Mm. And the story goes that they began barking like dogs, babbling, speaking in tongues and crying hysterically. Like it took them basically a full day to be consoled. And so it turned from this fun little game into what did they just see? Did they see the devil himself in this water? What is going on? Who taught them this? Um, And even though she most likely had nothing to do with the girl's fortune telling, Tichuba was blamed. Right. Because somebody had to be blamed. And Mr. Paris was furious. And he didn't want them to be playing the fortune telling game anyway. He had no clue where they had learned it. And he found out that Tichuba had baked a witch cake, as he called it, from rye meal and urine and fed it to the girls. What? But what? really, he, he was calling it a witch cake. I believe Tichuba said that if anyone ever seems to be possessed, this was like a belief or, you know, a practice that she came from, that this is what they had to be fed to calm them down. It was just some sort of ritual that she had maybe it was witchcraft but at the time she just sort of was like oh no this is my tradition i was trying to help them it's supposed to counteract the the craziness yeah whatever they're going through but of course paris lost his mind because they're playing the game a cake with urine has been fed to them he was praying and fasting in an attempt to cure the girls so he was mad that they were even fed in the first place and so he beat her terribly in order to get her to confess that she did everything that she was a witch that she was practicing witchcraft and that everything is her fault behind this girl's behavior um we don't know if it was because she was being beaten or not but tichuba did confess and with her confession came a came a long crazy story about having to serve the possibly the devil. I know we were talking about the devil worship. The story goes that she said the devil, but other stories say it was just a very tall man in a black suit and gray hair who was pushing her into something that he was he was some sort of entity. He definitely wasn't a real, you know, person who lived in the town. Right. But then the story has been changed a few times to say she possibly said devil or Satan and maybe things got lost in translation even because, you know, English wasn't her first language. So mm-hmm. She basically said that this entity in this black suit was telling her she needed to hurt the girls and that she had been practicing witchcraft with them, that they 
were practicing writing on sticks and doing spells, and that there was also a black dog that would appear to her in the night to make sure she was doing her job. The black black dog. dog is back. (laughs) (laughs) This the bitch is back. If we think, you know, black dog could have been a bitch. Okay, anyway. I get it. That's clever. That's clever. Anyway, (laughs) this was This was enough to, of course, spark hysteria in Salem, and Tituba was formally accused of witchcraft, along with two other women who were arrested at the same time and brought to jail and then brought to court. And at the time, again, she was like the first accused of witchcraft, so this was a big deal, but there had definitely been a lot of talk of witchcraft. You know, like she was basically the person who took it all on first because people in the town were saying, well, I think witchcraft is real, but we just need somebody to admit it or we need some better evidence. But like, I really think this is happening. And she kind of took it for everybody and got things started. So that was a huge deal. But also these three women were the easiest scapegoats and the easiest targets because this was the first woman of color. Previously, anyone who had been accused, not even formally, but just, you know, gossiped about in town had been, you know, white and just people hanging out in the colonies, definitely not an enslaved person. So she was the first person of color who had confessed and had been, you know, pointed at. But then the other two women with her, um, Sarah Good was the name of one of the other women. She was a very poor beggar. She lived on the street. She had a lot of debts. So she was also an easy target. And then another Sarah, Osborne, uh, she was involved in a dispute with her children over their dead father's estate and reviled for possibly having an affair with one of her servants. So all three women were kind of outcasts of the town, easy targets, easy to call them evil, deviants, whatever. Well, especially if you have... Oh, go on. Oh, I was going to say, almost there's something to gain, too, if That's exactly like, what I was they are say. called. Okay, yeah, like there's something <laughs> yep. to gain if they're out of the picture, out of the way, yeah. tried as a witch. Yep. Yeah. I talked about this last season on our episode called... <laughs> You're usually so good at knowing the names. I thought it was just going to roll off I your know, tongue. me too. I thought it was just going to appear to me. But it was the one where we talked about Jaws, the witch, and... Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With Isaac. Exactly. I don't remember the name, but yeah, when we did movie chat. Yeah, yeah. I talked a little bit about the Salem witch trials and how most of the people... Uh, Tichuba was not one of them, but most of the women who... And men, the one man, um, Giles, who were killed were people that, you know, other people had something to gain from them. And a right. lot of the times it was property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of all yep. you had back then. Yeah. Yeah. What exactly. do you want? My yeah. old shoes? Yeah. No, that was the thing you. to fight Property, over. Yeah. 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 So these three women were targeted and they were brought to court and Tituba, you know, came up first to give her testimony. And it was bizarre. It was disturbing. I mean, again, this is what we actually have historical evidence of it are these is exactly what she said in court. And it's basically, she just rambles on and on about the things she's seeing, the things she's been working on, the potions that she's been making, and that this evil entity has been telling her what to do. Nobody knew what to do with it. It just, it made everybody feel insane that this woman was standing up and claiming these things. And a lot of it included animals. She said that she had two rats, a 
one third red rat, a black rat, the black dog, some cats, and she said they all were her servants. They served her and helped her do the devil's work. Okay, Snow White. I I was imagining Cinderella, but yes, Snow White (laughs) is the one who actually had all the animals. I was imagining the little mice coming to help her, but yes, basically any any Disney princess who had the animals (laughs) on her side. Um, They all served her. She confessed to signing a devil's book that was basically selling her soul and uh, giving her the ability to do all of these things and serve this higher power. And uh, then people decided, well, she's a woman of color, so she must be practicing voodoo. And that's why we've never heard of this. And that is the true evil. So that is where the story kind of changed to. It's definitely voodoo that she is practicing. And for years and years and in basically all of the pop culture references, she is a practicing voodoo witch in all the stories, even though she never claimed that and actually... Most of the stuff she was saying is not in line with what we've learned about voodoo. So that's just kind of interesting. But that's just sort of us misunderstanding and other cultures yeah. <laughs> practices. Yeah, basically. a thousand Lumping percent. it together with yep. something else that we know. But yeah, we're like, well, we know about yeah. voodoo and that's creepy, too. So, yeah, we know about voodoo. It's really creepy. And her skin is a little darker than ours. So there we go. Voodoo like That is. was just that was how it went. Yep. So she yeah, the trials went on for a long time because they were just like, you are saying the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. So it went on. For a few weeks, it was getting out of control. She was, you know, starting to threaten people. I feel like she was almost, like, using it as an entertainment point. Like, by then, she's like, hey, you guys are, you're putting me up on the stage, so I'm going to keep talking about it. Well, and I also wonder if part of her was just trying to spin this crazy web and get out of being uh, murdered. Um, Right. Yes. She didn't want to be murdered. She didn't want to be a slave anymore. She felt like being in prison and doing this trial was getting her out of the life that she hated. So she's all of a sudden like famous and people are listening to what she's saying. Like, I mean, exactly. It's a little twisted, but like, this is probably the most power she's had in her life. Like in her life. Yeah. And you can't fault her for that. Like that oh, makes God, no. that makes sense. It's like okay, and I'm out, and I'm saying yeah. what I want to say, and people are taking me seriously. So, she trial went on and on. She remained imprisoned in Boston, and then finally she was indicted as a detestable witch, and she languished in jail for more than a year. Uh, Paris, her boss, of course, refused to pay her bail. Yeah. That really sweet man, and um. <laughs> More and more indictments and arrests piled up as Salem went into town-wide panic. Again, we kind of mentioned this earlier, just finding, like, every woman, every potential witch, that's when things just, like, really spiraled. And it was like, everyone's a witch, especially if they can read and write write and have some intelligence. (laughs) Then, as things went on, about after a year, again, where she was in prison, Tichuba actually recanted. And said she made up everything because her master beat her and tried to force the confession out of her. And basically, at this point, the trials had wound down a little bit. And the governor of Massachusetts just said, let's stop the arrests. Things are getting too crazy. And let's just let Tichuba sit here for a minute and I'll figure this out. I don't know if she's lying or telling the truth. But an anonymous person came forward and paid Tichuba's bail. She went free after 13 months in jail. And then there is... Her history just stops. We have no clue where she went after that. She didn't wow. go to 
work for anybody in Salem, not even anyone in Boston. She just kind of vanishes. She took her freedom and she ran with it. And then stuff started to change in Massachusetts and people started to give Salem's accused, which is their property and restitution and everything. But an enslaved woman with no property and no rights obviously was given nothing. So yeah. she just, she vanished and said, I'm going to start over somewhere. Who knows if she changed her name, if she got to run away with her family, we don't know. But that's why she is so easy to fictionalize now and, you know, make into more of a dramatic person than she was, even though her court moment was phenomenal. And I'm obsessed with her for it, for right. all of the things that she said and uh, what she was doing, especially because her bus sounds like the worst. But um, yeah, her story definitely has become it's an American horror story. You know, yeah. she's known as this voodoo witch. She is a character in The Crucible. She's in a bunch of different novels where she is brought up as a witch and the Paris family history will be mentioned. And then it's, you know, she's kind of this side character like, oh, well, the Paris family has that tituba slave and witch, blah, blah, blah. So she pops up everywhere. She's become basically a black voodoo priestess, even though it is believed that she this was not her at all. Everything has changed over time and that she was more it was most likely that she was Indian. But, you know, that's what happens when your story kind of gets swept under the rug. Yeah. But she she held the power in those Salem witch trials. And unfortunately, she is the reason for other women being accused, which is, you know, as we know, very unfortunate and right. sad that these innocent women who just had a working brain were being accused, but also just... I sort of love this power that she harnessed and how she just got up there and, well, and spoke I love her that truth she went for free. a little bit. I can't like, falter. Yeah. That's, and then was free. She got what she wanted. That's not the <laughs> ending I incredible. was expecting. Uh, no. I, I didn't know how it ended. Nope. So, yeah, I, I assumed the worst. The moment she said that she had been lying, they, for whatever reason, took her seriously. That's the part I don't understand and the part that I wish there was more history on mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, everyone else also said they were innocent for the most yeah, part and, and still got, got burned. So <laughs> I don't know what it is. I I don't know what that part of it is, but they were sort of like, okay, hang here, hang here for a sec, yeah, what and we then we'll decide earlier, what to do. Like, no one really benefited from her disappearing, like from her right. being sure. killed. Like, there was yeah, no property, there was no money, there was no nothing. If so, there was no one really like fighting for her to be killed, except for maybe and her right. boss, but he seemed to be kind of like out of the picture. She was yeah. the she was the stories. She was what was sensationalized about the entire right. event. So like yep. I don't know, she kind of made it famous. So it's yeah. it's kind of like you see now with court cases and like if a crime is committed, like people all of a sudden start thinking like, Oh, well that crime is being committed all over the place and I'm trying to think of like an example, but I, I can only one. think of like when there was when there was poison in aspirin. Do you remember when that yeah. happened? Yeah. Uh -huh. Once and it's never happened again. Yeah. But like everybody still to this day is like, oh, be careful of poison in your aspirin. Mm -hmm. Or the guy, mm -hmm. the poisoning in trick or treat candy where like that's yeah. like a huge thing. Yep. But really the only time documented time that that's happened and there was a casualty was a man who killed his own son for his insurance money. He yeah. yeah, he had a target and a reason behind it as awful as it was. But yeah, it wasn't in everyone's candy. Yeah, and he but... gave it to him at his house. It's not like he gave it to yeah. a trick or treater. But still to right. this day, that was they're the like, story. check your kid's candy. 
People sensationalize that story. It runs rampant. Like, that's what happened with the witch trials. Like, this woman uh, was probably beaten so badly that she would say pretty much anything. anything. And then when she realized people were listening to her, really went for it. And it just, people went fucking nuts with it. You know? Yeah. Yep. And so it goes. Yeah. But... Wow. Yeah. So she's, yeah. If, if anyone thinks her name sounds familiar and you didn't know this story, because I did not know, you know, what was behind the story. She is in so many different novels. She's mentioned in TV shows, most recently American Horror Story, obviously, but um, also very, you know, famously in The Crucible, I would yeah. say, where she was definitely, to them, she was conjuring up spirits, she was into sorcery, she was into Satanism, all things she learned in Barbados and brought over to Boston and was practicing in the woods. And that's how she got caught because the children saw her and, you know, got an interest in it. I like to think that she just hated those kids so much that she baked a cake full of <laughs> urine and was like, it's yes. what we do to help people. Yeah. This is my tradition. No. Tradition. It's so funny. As yeah. I was telling this story, I was trying to read it with the facts I was given in the history, but in my head, absolutely. She put urine in that cake to <laughs> laugh at those damn kids. Right. It reminds me of the help when yep. Octavia Spencer's Yep. character bakes poop into the pie yeah. that she gives to her boss exactly. and you're just like hell yeah oh and that's kind of how yeah. I, Good. I hope those kids hated the taste of that pea cake <laughs> no i hope they liked it no i, I hope they like liked it, it and they developed a funny. weird kink man <laughs> i really wish i could get some more of that cake. cake yeah <laughs> oh, what's the oh secret ingredient From it, it feels like we have Tichuba the character and Tichuba the real-life person. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. Tichuba the real-life person, like, again, we don't know what happened to her, but I really like to think she got some peace. Like, she didn't die. She had a better ending than I would have thought, and I hope she got some peace. I hope so, too. I hope she was able to unite with her husband and daughter. Yeah. I mean, we're all we're all having these hopeful thoughts. And in reality, like maybe she was caught like just outside of the woods and murdered. Like, I have no idea. Someone could have taken, you know, justice into their own hands in this case, totally. for sure. But paid because bail again, the, anon- the- that would explain why they paid it anonymously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, see, I didn't even think oh, of that. Ashley I maybe crushing that our hopes like- and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, that is so, yeah. unfortunately, that's probably that's, so yeah, real because the, the governor had just started to say like, hey, we're we're chilling out on all of this, this witch hunt stuff. So like everyone relax. And there was probably some angry person out there saying, um, absolutely not. I'm going to kill this witch. So, uh, yeah, yep, that could be. But she lives on in our hearts. Yeah. She does live on in our hearts and in. TV shows and <laughs> books and all the things. But no, I do wonder what was happening with those girls and why they were speaking in tongues and losing their damn mind if Tichuba did do something or if they were just being crazy girls. It seemed like it was scaring people in the town enough that like something was going on. But that's the thing I'm most I was gonna say most curious how old about. were these girls again? Because my four year old nephew has followed me around like barking like a dog because he thinks he's a dog <laughs> again. It's just like, all right, you're a dog I, today. Cool. I they think were they were preteen, teen, right? Oh, were they okay. like okay. preteen? 12, yeah, maybe like twelve. Yeah. yeah, which I mean, yes, they absolutely could have been barking like a dog. Kids do that, but it <laughs> seemed, I don't know, just the way people were reacting, it seemed sort of more serious, out of pocket. Yeah. But yeah. will we ever know? No, 
No, we will not. No. <laughs> so we'll no. speculate wildly. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. That's it's what time. we do here. But that is yeah. all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for listening to our show every single week. And of course, thank you so much, Laura, for coming on for one of our Ooh. spooky season episodes. And of course, oh, you are I'm a guest. so honored to be here for the spooky season. Oh my gosh, this was so much fun. You can uh, catch Laura's work on our Instagram every single Wednesday for Witchy Wednesdays. Witch! Witchy Wednesday. Witchy. Witchy Wednesday. <laughs> Never stop. Oh. And uh, at this point, so this comes out next Friday, do you want to give your new Instagram handle for all of your yes. spooky stuff? Yeah. Absolutely. So I finally kind of have something to promote on this show. Yeah. Um, so if you follow us on, or if you follow Keep It Weird on Witchy Wednesdays and see my normal Lucky Luru handle, that's just my personal account. You can still follow me there if you want to see pictures of like my dog and my travel and my friends and my family. <laughs> but um, I'm now creating a separate account that is strictly for witchy content. Yes. Um, you, it's gonna, uh, it's Leaves of Lore. And uh, yeah, you can follow me through the Keep It Weird Instagram. I'm sure you guys will post we links. We will be tagging you every Wednesday. Please, please, please. And um, it's just going to be uh, lots more spells and recipes. And I mean, honestly, it's just going to be a place to appreciate nature and maybe kind of get into a little more herbalism, um, the medicinal and... Um, like, I mean, it, it's just going to be a fun exploration of all things that grow on this wonderful planet. So if I you like that. nature, if you love witch stuff, come on by, give me a follow and uh, like all my stuff. Thanks. Best I know I will. Town. You, are, you have like two Thanks. posts and it's already one of my favorite accounts that I follow. So I know. I'm slowly building it up. So it's one of those <laughs> yeah. things by next, it's new, whenever it's this new. comes out. Yeah, by the It'll time this episode comes out, you'll blown. have many more things. And it's, so you're, much... you have to have a starting point. Well, and that's just it. I have so much content on my phone right now that it's just like it needs a place to go. Yeah. Um, yes. So, yeah, no, it's going to be it's going to be great. So much, so much stuff. Love it. I also love it. I was going to promote whatever we were going to do next week, but it's actually kind of going to be a surprise for us because surprise, surprise, Ooh. I'm far too busy so we're kind of changing course and lauren's gonna take the reins for a week here in october while i get married and yes yes so we're gonna have like a mystery guest and mystery topic but we'll make sure it's gonna be great it's gonna be spooky it'll be halloween yeah yes how mysterious but in the meantime follow us on instagram at keep it weird cast uh our twitter's at keep it weird cast as well and facebook and uh, check out our merch store at www.keepitweirdpodcast.com slash merch and get yourself a shirt. Um, you can also please donate to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. And if you donate to our Patreon this month, whether you are a, uh, a current patron or a new patron, you will get points for our Halloween giveaways where we are going to be giving away... 
signed copies of the Feminine Macabre Volume 2 free merch and a grand prize of a Zoom party with me and Lauren. And to get those points, you can donate to our Patreon. You can like and comment on our Instagram posts for the month of October. Um, And you can tag us in pictures of yourself celebrating Halloween in whatever way you celebrate Halloween. So there's many ways to get points. Uh, for the Halloween giveaways, and I encourage you to do all of them. Yes, yes, yes. yes Sounds yes, like a blast. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, what's our sign-off today? I almost said fellows. So I've... Fellows. <laughs> fellows. <laughs> uh, so I'm not even going to lie. I've been here a couple times, and my eyes just went wide about 30 seconds ago going, oh, crap, I didn't plan a sign-off. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to give my best witchy uh, ha- happy Halloween shriek that I yes. can give. Perfect. Uh, Please, let's see I'm I obsessed with that. I mean, put her in the movies. movies. Warner Brothers is across the street. Someone call the press. That was phenomenal. Oh my gosh, Okay, well, and uh, also in our best witchy voice, keep Keep it weird. I need you to record a voiceover that I can play outside of my apartment door to scare people off. That is what I need. Oh my God. I'd so be good. So happy.